You're not doomed. And if you do have this diagnosis now, you can do something about achieving and maintaining blood sugar control that is within reach. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Dr. Beverly Yates. Today is all about diabetes, prevalence, myths, and how important nutrition, exercise, sleep, supplements, and community really are. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Beverly Yates, who is a licensed doctor of naturopathic medicine who used her background in MIT electrical engineering and work as a systems engineer to create the Yates Protocol, an effective program for people who have diabetes to live the life they love. Dr. Yates is on mission to help 3 million people heal from type 2 diabetes and prediabetes. Dr. Yates is an internationally recognized speaker and expert in the fields of diabetes and heart disease. She is a published author of Heart Health for Black Women and Natural Approach to Healing and Preventing Heart Disease and co-author of multiple books, including with Jack Canfield, The Soul of Success, Volume 2. That's cool. Dr. Yates has been featured in numerous media outlets. Welcome to the show, Dr. Yates. Hey, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really thrilled to be here on your podcast talking with you about longevity. I always feel like it's important to let people know we can live long and live well. We want to put life in our years and years in our life. You're speaking our language. Well, tell us your story. Your bio is very interesting. So how did you go from MIT grad to diabetes doctor? Yeah, you know, the connection there is just being so results oriented in my own health journey. I originally started out in Silicon Valley as electrical engineer. That's not a surprise, right? (laughs) That was definitely and still is a thing. And, And moving from California to Oregon, to the Portland, Oregon area, decades ago, it's just such a different environmental climate. It's much more, much more wet there and much moister. And as such, I'd never lived anywhere where it's common for mold to grow on concrete. <laughs> I did not know that was it that thing. moist. I was wondering it, where you were going with the moist. Yeah. <laughs> it could, it's that moist, right? It's a temperate rainforest, or at least yeah. it was. With climate change, I'm not sure, because I think everywhere, a lot of places in the West here have been having a drought. But certainly then, in the 90s, that was definitely a thing. It was quite, quite moist. And as such, it turns out I'm sensitive to mold and didn't know it. And what got my health put back together after, what, about a year of seeking conventional medical treatment, because I just didn't know of any other options, I spent about a year seeing an allergist. And between him, the doctor, and the nurse, you know, they were shooting me with these injections for allergy desensitization to mold. But after a year, I was not feeling better. And so, Stephanie, I'm a very results-oriented person. I'm like, is it working? You know, you got to give things time to work. I know Mm -hmm. it takes time for stuff to not be right for your health. So it takes time to heal. But I thought a year was a a reasonable trial. And the other thing was I wasn't comfortable with the treatment process because no one would tell me what was in the injections. And I'm coming from science and technology. Not scared about that. Just tell me what's in it. it. Yeah. Yep. And they were just not willing to communicate. And I grew increasingly uncomfortable with having something injected and not knowing what it was. So long story short, my husband, who also worked in technology, then fiance worked with a guy who had very similar symptoms to mine, brain fog, profound fatigue. You know, I've always been naturally blessed with the energy of five people and they were all missing. I was so (laughs) tired, (laughs) so tired, right? And what a difference it made. So I saw a naturopathic physician there in Oregon for three consultations in this case that were profoundly life-changing. I got my energy back, my mental clarity back. We did really simple, gentle, natural things. And in our first consultation, he actually looked me in the eye and listened for about an hour 
I had never had a doctor patient interaction like that ever in my entire life. And I was like, Ooh, what's this? <laughs> you know, He's going after root causes and it was really effective and helpful for me. And that is the connection for me between MIT, electrical engineering, science, STEM, all that sort of stuff. And naturopathic medicine are treating and addressing these root cause issues from a very holistic, functional way to make sure I could restore my health and understanding that, you know, black mold is such a problem. It's a real toxin. Mm-hmm. And I had classic symptoms and I'm grateful that I was able to make that shift and, and became aware, right? Yep. So from there, I started to do some wild crafting herbalist work there in the Pacific Northwest. Very different journey. You know, got to see actual watersheds in the forest uh, where the water is literally shimmering as it's coming into the, the ground and, you know, restoring the aquifers, et cetera. And being born and raised in the city of Philadelphia, this was a very different experience for me. Mm-hmm. The one that definitely on many levels was life-changing. So once I realized there was a naturopathic medical school right there in Portland, Oregon, where I was at, I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to change careers. More people stuff. So I tell folks that I went from problem solving with things to problem solving with people. Same yeah. systems approach, yeah. though, which sure. has really been helpful. I don't get lost with really complex health cases. Love it. So what made your focus be diabetes? So how where's that connection? That's been a journey too. Originally, my focus was with primary care, it was going to be chronic illnesses and usually it was gut things or heart related disease, right? Okay. And what I noticed in the 2000s was this steady rising tide of people coming in with blood sugar problems in addition to gut problems or in addition to heart problems or arthritis problems or asthma, other inflammatory problems. As I started to look at the uh, CDC and NIH numbers and other things, I realized there was this growing tide of people with blood sugar related conditions Unfortunately, it's done nothing but just run wild. It's gone up and up and up. It is its own epidemic. You could even argue it's a pandemic on its own, right? Yeah. It's an international issue at this point. It's not just U.S. centric. There's a lot of factors. There's environmental issues. There's certainly the lifestyle side, you know, nutrition, stress, sleep, exercise, the lack of consistent or appropriate exercise, I would say, timing of meals. There's just a lot going on right now in today's world that is unfortunately contributing to this big rising tide of people who have various kinds of diabetes, whether it's autoimmune type one or not autoimmune and onset, which is everything else. Sure. So you alluded to this growing tide. Can we go to prevalence? Like how common is type two? We'll stick with kind of type two diabetes. Yeah, the prevalence is pretty, pretty amazing here. When we look at type two, it is the lion's share of the diabetes world, right? It used to be, certainly when I was a kid and a teenager, and in um, my progression through naturopathic medical school at that time, when you said diabetes, you usually meant type one diabetes. Now type one diabetes represents about 5% of diabetes. And type two and pre-diabetes are pretty much like the other 90% to 95%. There's a slice there for type 1.5, which is a hybrid between type one and type two, usually sure. insulin dependent, also known as LADA, latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. So now type one diabetes can show up in adults, which was not a thing before. The medical books from anybody's kind of medical school, it wouldn't have mattered. It could have been allopathic, conventional medicine, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic, osteopathic, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, etc. Everybody would have said type one is kids, juvenile onset, and type two, ages 60, 70, 80. Ha! They've both crisscrossed, right? So now we have adults showing up with type one and we have sadly children as young as eight, which is shocking to me, eight or nine years old showing up with type two diabetes. This is not sustainable. No, So the prevalence is like a hockey stick. It's growing up in a big way. Sure, sure. Can you define type two 
for our audience, which is obviously the majority at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's the overwhelming majority right now. <laughs> so type 2 diabetes is defined by clinical lab tests for two measures. One is your A1C, hemoglobin A1C measured to pretty much every three to four months. And if your A1C comes back at a number of 6.5, 6.5 or higher, like 7, 8, 9, mm-hmm. et cetera, that's considered type 2 diabetes. If your A1C is measured as 5.7 for most lab tests, 5.8 for a few, but for most it's 5.7 to 6.4, then that's considered to be pre-diabetes. And if your A1C is 4.8 to say 5.6, that number is considered to be non, completely non-diabetic, not pre-diabetic, et cetera. Fasting morning blood sugars matter. That should be tested as well. And those numbers, if they're under 100, is considered to not be um, diabetic. I have a little bit different interpretation that I apply for my patients and clients. And for people whose fasting blood sugar is about 120 and higher for many lab tests, because some of these re- these reference ranges can also be regional along with national. So fasting blood sugar of 120 or higher is considered to be type 2 diabetic or at risk. There are people who have higher A1C and lower, believe it or not, morning blood sugar, fasting blood sugar. And some people have higher fasting blood sugar, but whose A1C is actually not in, in the danger range. So I think- I see a lot of those- I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to take the whole picture and not just get too obsessed with a a number. I say, look at a trend, like any healthy, look at a trend, cholesterol, all that stuff. So what you're saying is there's a lot of people to help out there. So let's go through some myths. So what's, in your opinion, the number one myth about diabetes? I think the number one myth that unfortunately hangs out out there is that people are doomed to get it. Either they think their age is the reason, they might think their gender, they might think that their race or social group or demographics are the reason, they might think that their income levels are the reason, they might think that their family heritage, their genes are the reason. And particularly for people who have a strong family prevalence, I can understand thinking that, but it's not true, it's a myth. You're not doomed. And if you do have this diagnosis now, you can do something about achieving and maintaining blood sugar control that is within reach. And so if you are pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetic, you can certainly improve your situation and either achieve better control or perhaps undo, reverse that damage where possible. For some people, they might not be able to totally get out of the um, diagnostic criteria for the disease. And so you have to be clear about what you're defining as success. So I also don't want people to have magical thinking. And here's why. A lot of people push back about the idea of reversing, let's say, type 2 diabetes. And I'm like, look, if you are able to find all of the sensitive things for your lifestyle that matter and you achieve blood sugar control, you get completely out of the danger range and back to the healthy numbers. You know, so that A1C under 5.7, you know, morning fasting blood sugars, like say 90 or lower to like 70, 70 to 90 range, 70 to 85 range. That's great. You no longer meet the diagnostic criteria. But here's the thing, Stephanie, some people have this magical thinking that once they've done that work and found out what's most sensitive for their blood sugar, that they can stop. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> eh. Right. Eh. Yeah. So if, if it's lifestyle driven, and usually it is, and you undo your good work, it will return. So I get why there's pushback about the languaging around reversing diabetes, right? If we're talking about type one diabetes, we're not reversing that. Right. The, pe- the person whose pancreas no longer makes insulin We don't have any magic yet for that. I'm hopeful that the science and tech folks will keep working on it because I've seen some amazing things go on for things like, say, sickle cell anemia, some other, right? So who knows? Maybe there's something on the horizon. But right now, a type 1 diabetic is, with today's info, 
will require insulin as a prescription medicine for the rest of their life. And there's a lot more gizmo support between a continuous glucose monitor, CGMs, and insulin pumps and other things that make life better, simpler, et cetera. The technology around that and people's use of it and the communities are interacting in a really beautiful way and things are getting better. We're at the end of this um, interview today, just for the listeners, uh, we're going to mention your summit, but that's probably why you didn't name your summit the Reversing Diabetes Summit, right? You named it the Transforming. <laughs> Transforming. You're absolutely right. Thank you. Thank you for picking that up. There were some people who wanted me to name it Diabetes you know, Reversal Summit or something like that, or Reversing Diabetes Summit. Yeah. And I could hear the howling. I, I ran that by a few people. And, you know, they just got me really clear about, mm, and I didn't want to be associated with somebody who's trying to promote some sort of scam or fraud or compete. Yes. Right. Like, that's not me. Why would I do that? It's an ongoing journey and lifestyle changes have to be maintained. And yeah, I like, I like that, that verbiage. Let's go back. I know you have more myths. So what's another myth about diabetes? Another myth about diabetes is that community is not a big deal. Look, let's be real. When it comes to chronic illness, Community matters. Isolation, I wish we could have a lab test, an objective measure for isolation. It's really so ironic because a lot of people who have diabetes, like any other really big common illness, like say heart disease or asthma, often feel like they're all by themselves. And it's a very personal experience, right, to have your blood sugar not behaving well. But the reality is, in the case particularly of type 2 diabetes, is that you've got tens of millions of people right here in the U.S. and internationally, hundreds of millions of people who have the problem. But people feel so isolated and community matters. You need to be in a group of people that are looking to improve their health, that are looking for longevity. They want to live long and live well and move together as a group. It's one of the reasons why after that summit ends, I am offering a group program and there'll be a series of group programs that people can join to help live real time break through these myths and have that community so they can have the facts, the information that they need and the support. I think that the way we have set up much of uh, medical care in the U.S. is that it's really managing disease. It's not caring for health. And one of the things that we almost always miss out on is this group coaching format, a group community, so people can know they aren't the only one. And if you have family or friends around you who aren't particularly health-minded, it can be so hard to work against that. They might think that every treat in the world has got to be some sort of sweet or high carbohydrate, no fiber, no nutrients kind of thing. And and it's it's pushing against what you actually need to be well. That's hard to keep being the salmon swimming upstream on that one. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Community is so important. What about, would you consider this a myth when, you know, doctors are telling patients, oh, you just got to eat less and move more. How do you you feel about that? I think it's a lazy, simple-minded answer. That's how I feel about it. I made really sure in Summit that we did not ever put forward the idea of eat less and move more. Instead, it's more nuanced and we don't want to insult people because everybody pretty much knows that. It's not that simple. And when it comes, let's say, to type 1 diabetes, that's a different journey, right? And so we made it so it was inclusive. We talked on all of our sessions about blood sugar and blood sugar management, how to balance it, you know, helping type 1s avoid those lows, which are life-threatening. And helping everybody in the diabetes and blood sugar community to be able to achieve that healthy range of blood sugar. That's really the goal. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a person who just loves to talk about things from metabolism, let's say, and longevity. Maybe you're wearing a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, because that's your jam, you know? Great. The health data, the information you get is so critical. And being able to parse that and determine what does it really mean? What are the trends? Should I freak out if my blood sugar spikes to a 300 and I have no idea why, you know, things like that. 
So we know there's more to life and to managing diabetes than just eating less, but food does play a role. So tell us, let's, let's digress there for a minute. How important is nutrition with management of diabetes? It's of critical importance. It is the bullseye of the target. If you do nothing like else, you have to pay attention yep, to yep. what you eat. Now, having said that, though, <laughs> my clinical observation in 30 years of clinical work with this is that there are people who have unusual reactions to foods, and it's all over the map. That's why I say test, don't guess. I love a CGM, yep. a continuous glucose monitor, or if you prefer, pin sticks, the pin bricks, along with the use of a glucometer, test, don't guess. However you do it, drop a blood with the pin stick or and using a glucometer or that CGM, more convenient. You use an app on your phone and you get the real-time data because, you know, what if you're eating something that's perceived to be healthy, like quinoa or blueberries, and your blood sugar spikes? Maybe the rest of your family has a completely normal response. Hmm. By the same token, what if you have omitted any kind of potato? Let's say you've decided that sweet potatoes and white potatoes are out, and maybe your blood sugar is fine with white potatoes, and for some reason it's not with sweet potatoes, even with the skin on, both of them. I have seen so many unusual reactions. Maybe you're okay with grains, with flour. Maybe you're not. Maybe mm -hmm. it's portions. Maybe a half a cup or a quarter cup of something is okay for you, and a full cup is too much. Test don't guess. Sometimes people do great with those resistant starches, you know, beans, legumes, chickpeas, lentils, and it might be a portion thing. Then again, you maybe it's half your plate, you're fine. You, know? you might already know that insulin resistance can lead to weight gain, but did you know that it also is one of the leading causes of death for its role in diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's? Diet changes are essential when it comes to combating insulin resistance, but additional nutrients can also help. The one I recommend the most, berberine. Berberine is a plant extract that has been used in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine for over 2,500 years. In addition to its long history, modern clinical trials have demonstrated that berberine supports cardiovascular health in a number of important synergistic ways. These include helping you maintain blood pressure, support healthy heart contraction and rhythm, and support healthy cholesterol and glucose levels. Our berberine support product also contains alpha-lipoic acid, or ALA, which has been shown to support blood sugar balance and is also a powerful antioxidant that scavenges free radicals. It's wonderful for maintaining healthy blood vessel and circulatory health. Consider taking the Synergistic Blend daily, or especially if you eat more than normal or indulge over the holidays or a birthday, where it should help reduce blood sugar spikes. Check out our product info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash berberine hyphen support. To get 10% off berberine support, use code berberine at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. I totally agree. I have a good friend who's a chiropractor who's been wearing a continuous glucose monitor, which actually we should, after this digress, and have you kind of explain exactly what that is to the listeners just in case they're unaware. But she just, you know, she just texts me all her revelations. She has like, I only put one pump in my Starbucks coffee, which probably shouldn't be drinking anyways, but only one pump of sweetener. And she's like, and my, you know, my glucose spiked to, to X. And she's just getting all these revelations. Like I never would have known, right, that sweet potatoes or whatever are causing problems. And so we say that the same thing all the time, test, don't guess. And so technology has advanced to the point where we do have access to, to affordable continuous glucose monitoring devices. So do you want to share with the audience a little bit about what those are and how easy they are to use? Sure. And I think CGMs are a powerful tool when you're trying to have life extension to enjoy longevity, where you're having 
more years in your life and you are enjoying them and not ill, right? So continuous glucose monitor is exactly what it sounds like. It is a, a gizmo. It's usually pretty small. You can usually attach it, let's say, on the back of your arm or some other places out of the way of wear and tear of life. You know, if you're an athlete, that matters where you place it. And it is a device that gives you real-time continuous sensing of what is the number for your blood sugar. Pretty much you're updated typically every 10 to 15 minutes. You'll get that assessment. So you'll see what's happening before you eat, while you're eating, after you eat. So that way it's easy to say, okay, pre-meal, this is what my blood sugar was at. 30 minutes after my meal, here's what's happening. 60 minutes, 90, 120. Convenient and easy. And this can be used for people in all walks of life and at any stage. Let's say a woman is at risk of gestational diabetes. This is a gift to have a CGM because now she can figure out what in the world is causing her blood sugar to, to rocket yeah, so high, yeah. right? But that determines the size of as the fetus is growing and developing. And then after the baby's born, it determines that birth weight, which matters because that baby's got to come out. <laughs> so if your blood sugar is really high, you're at risk of having a really large baby and complications for yep. mother and potentially for the baby once it's born. For people who are older and maybe on multiple medications, once you take your meds, you can see if you're having an adverse reaction to the meds. There are some meds that can have that effect. Sometimes steroids have that effect. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a different medication that would not mess up and hijack your blood sugar. Some people, it's stress. It's all about the stress, right? Stress is that bully that grabs us by the collar and slams us up against our genetic weaknesses. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe you're getting up frequently in the middle of the night and it's not just to pee, you know, it could be that you wake up in the night, oh, I can't get back to sleep. And maybe you didn't have to pee. Could be you had a blood sugar low and your body perceives it right. correctly as an emergency and it woke you up, mm -hmm. but you didn't know your blood sugar was low. So you might have to reconfigure, remodel dinner or consider a gentle, small snack an hour before you go to bed. I don't generally, I'm not a fan of snacking, except for people who have low blood sugar and particularly mm -hmm. with type one diabetes, I say, do what you need to, to get yourself out of that blood sugar basement, obviously, because it's life threatening. Like nobody wants that. Right. These tools are just, they're amazing. And especially for patients who know they've had the hemoglobin A1C, which is the average glucose over three months, right? Come back elevated. And they're really trying to target in how they should or shouldn't be eating. That continuous glucose monitor is great. As you said, gizmo, I like that. And generally speaking though, what, uh, recommendations do you have? Like, do you typically advise like a Mediterranean diet or is there, are there, what are your general recommendations for individuals with diabetes? My general recommendations for people to get started is to consider that they have enough of the, the large groups of foods, the macronutrients that we know are blood sugar friendly. So I say, let the leafy green vegetables lead the way and have half of your plate be leafy green vegetables. And this is at all meals of the day. Yes, I am including this in breakfast. Like my breakfast this morning, Leafy greens were half of it, right? You know, you can buy literally now boxes of salad greens, other kinds mm -hmm. of greens already washed and prepped. Spinach or kale, collards, whatever it is that you would enjoy. Bok choy, they're already packaged and rinsed. They're ready to go. I've seen this all over the country. I've had a chance to travel. So it's not just here in California. It's everywhere. It's just so hot and so easy and it's affordable. Those tubs of pre-washed greens are anywhere from $2 yep. to 5 or $6, depending yep. on how big it is, right? You can do it when you travel and have them at every meal. Next up is lean protein because it burns quite evenly. Then next I would put in their healthy fats that can be in the form of nuts or seeds. That could be olive oil added after you've cooked the meal so you don't ruin the health benefits that the olive oil has to offer you or coconut oil. You could cook with coconut oil, things like that, right? 
And then next, as long as your blood sugar is okay with this, you can add in your complex carbohydrates. So not the rocket ride. So to be clear, things like white bread or um, other kinds of flour that have their fiber stripped out of them are usually a disaster for blood sugar. But you could test to see if you're the rare person for whom that's okay. Sure. Otherwise, you want the complex carbs. That's going to be the beans and legumes. So black beans, red beans, white beans, pinto beans, let's see, lentils, chickpeas, things like that. Those are usually quite stable because they already also contain protein and fiber, other nutrients, in addition to those complex, slow-burning, resistant starches. We want the resistant starches, the ones that don't cause that rocket ride, but instead mm -hmm. an even burn. And that all yes. of that stuff together, particularly the resistant starch and the fiber, including when you have fresh fruit with the skin on, again, that fiber feeds your gut's microbiome. So those microbiota, the, the organisms that are friendly and healthy in your gut, they make up the microbiome. They have a lot to say about your blood sugar. They're getting what they need to help you have that even reliable blood sugar. Love it. Love it. Okay. Let's go exercise. So we talked a little bit about nutrition. Now let's go to exercise. What are, obviously we're just making general recommendations here, but what do you have for us there? I think the number one thing to focus on for blood sugar control when it comes to exercise is to make sure you do things that are consistent, that are aerobic, but gentle. You don't have to pound yourself into the sand. Often a walk is fine. And if you're wearing a CGM continuous glucose monitor, you can see it real time. Mm -hmm. So like if you are angry or upset, if you're stressed, or if you've just been sedentary, take a look on your app, find out what your blood sugar is, go for a 15, 20 minute walk, look at your app again. Chances are things got better for you, <laughs> right? Well, yes. if you noticed you ate something and now your blood sugar, you know, just took off for the sun, then once again, just go for a walk, something simple like that. If you have easy access, sit on a spin bike, a gentle ride. It does not need to be like, you know, you're trying to uh, do the Tour de France, we're trying to run a marathon that often is not helpful for these things. And the next thing for exercise, in addition to consistency, is doing weight training. I can't mm -hmm. say enough about weight training or yep. resistance training. All my guests say that that is the most important. So listeners, are you hearing this? Yeah, Beverly Yates also agrees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for longevity, a lot of people yep. wind up losing their longevity because they have gotten weak as they've gotten older. And I, well, I, I can't think of how many people I've heard of, particularly friends of our family who've had elderly members who have a fall or two, and then they are deceased. There's this amazing downward spiral mm -hmm. that can happen, particularly when people are in their 70s. So you want to build up that muscular bank in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. So should you be blessed to live to your 70s and 80s, you are still healthy and vibrant. Those working muscles are blood sugar sponges. So it Ooh, is I imperative. Blood sugar sponges. Yeah. Yeah. Blood sugar sponges. You're just full of all these one-liners. You said nutrition's a bullseye. Stress is a bully. <laughs> muscles are blood sugar sponges. I'm trying to write these down because these are, <laughs> yeah. these are good. <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Continue. No, no. Continue. I mean, it's just real, yeah. right? I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that this is resonating for, your, yeah. for you, yourself as the leader and for your audience because it's just important. This is the stuff we should be learning in middle school and high school, right? Like yeah. how to have a great life. Right. Oh, suddenly I'm depressed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're right, though. We should, be. <laughs> we should be. And another on that note, one more thing that I know we both agree is extremely important with blood sugar control is sleep. So tell me your thoughts on sleep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Sleep is the final frontier. It's there we go again. Yeah. <laughs> it's the final frontier, friends. <laughs> sleep is just so amazing. It's where we can reset our Brains, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our souls, everything hits the reset button. 
your whole body has a chance to refresh and restore. So does your mind and your soul. And if your sleep is compromised, you're going to struggle. And some of the struggle won't be obvious. Some of it will show up perhaps 10 to 20 years later, but the seed started with the poor sleep. These things do not wreck overnight. They don't. You've probably heard a lot about fish oil. It's one of the most common supplements available after all. But have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it? The simple answer is yes. If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified. Fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil, and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled, and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides, and polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, are removed to undetectable levels. Plus, our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only three to six months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be three years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code OMEGA3s for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show. So what are some top tips for sleep? I track mine back to data. You know, I wear it wear a ring and I certainly track my sleep. Unfortunately, I kind of obsess over it. Like you and I were both just at a health entrepreneur conference and my sleep was crap because. <laughs> <laughs> and we were at high altitude. That wasn't yes, helping. That, yeah. Thank you. Maybe that was a problem, but there were EMFs all around. I had to unplug all the extra outlets. I mean, all the, uh, but we were up late and we did eat healthy. I will say that, but I, I kind of do obsess over sleep, but I think it's because I know how important it is. And so you know, for many of my patients, if they're not getting deep and, and REM sleep, then there are things that we can recommend. But you're my guest today. So rather than me talk, I'll ask, what do you recommend for improving sleep? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up because sleep is such a sensitive measure for blood sugar. And sometimes people's blood sugar goes haywire because their sleep is bad. They never get that reset. So their blood sugar should lower. So that fasting morning blood sugar number should be lower, like in that 70 to 89 or so range. But they don't get there because their sleep's a hot mess, Right. So the Aura Ring, other things, a Fitbit, you know, there's all these gizmos, there's other gizmos, right? So you can look at your sleep data and get an idea. My top tips are this, go to bed at the same time each night. Don't make excuses about it, et cetera. Number two, if you either remember your own childhood or you have raised children or helped other people raise children, have a stable, sane decompression time before your bedtime. 
even if this wasn't how you grew up, and I'm so sorry if your childhood was chaotic, you can reclaim this peace and calm as an adult. So mm. critical. Have at least an hour and preferably two hours of you are easing to bed. Create your own, if you want to think of it as like a lullaby ritual, whatever works for you. This means then various kinds of gizmos and screens are gone. The blue light from them and the interruptions and distractions, the crises of the world, you know what? It's not helpful. And if you have a job, like say you are a first responder, thank you for your service because you might not be able to unplug like that. The rest of us unplug. So go to bed at the same time, make sure you have a peaceful way and a consistent process so you build that habit. Your brain and your spirit knows what to expect. Your blood pressure, everything knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the hour before bedtime or two hours before. If you struggle with meals and, and overeating or have cravings, here's a quick tip that is powerful. When you finish your last meal for the day, your last food, floss and brush your teeth. Let that be the signal that we're going to bed soon. Anchor it to the flossing and brushing. You'll be amazed how many other habits straighten out with that one. I have never heard that one. I like it. Costs you nothing extra, right? Yeah, no, it's so true. It's, but with my son, once his teeth are brushed, no more snacks. That's it. Your teeth are brushed. <laughs> all these things, all these habits, these routines that we, you know, hopefully are, you know, implementing for children, we forget as adults. And so sometimes you just have to take it back to the basics. Take care of ourselves. So I, so well said. So I, well said. You're right. We forget to take care of ourselves. We're caring for the little ones. You know, so I invite us as adults to create what makes sense for us for that decompression. You know, if you want to read something, read a book, enjoy something funny. Again, not based on a screen. So it's actual, perhaps paper, whatever makes sense for you. I often save the comics or cartoons for that time of day because I happen to have like the comics. <laughs> reading. Yes. Reading at night. That No screens. Actual reading on a paper book is, yeah, what I recommend. Yeah. <laughs> We've done a good job today laying foundation with nutrition and exercise and sleep. But I have to ask, as a naturopathic uh, doctor, what supplements do you heavily use? I, I know in my practice, I'm a huge fan of fish oil and berberine. Can you tell me a few of your top supplement picks once you've laid the strong foundation otherwise with lifestyle changes? So fish oil and berberine are great partners. Other things for blood sugar control are gymnema. Mm -hmm. That's a great one, particularly if people have a tendency to want sweet taste and they maybe under taste sugar. So if you're the person who's putting in four or five, six, seven teaspoons of sugar and people are looking at you, you might find that gymnema spelled G-Y-M-N-E-M-A, gymnema, Mm -hmm. Sylvester is a Mm -hmm. great partner just to help calm the uh, sense of sweetness so that, you know, those foods aren't so attractive to you, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with sweet cravings and this can be part of the journey, that's a simple way to help. Bitter melon is another wonderful natural supplement. Again, both of gymnema and bitter melon, there's been research done that shows that they can be helpful partners to help you achieve better blood sugar balance and help improve your cholesterol profile too at the same time, both of them. I'd love to see more research about both of those herbs. Yep, I agree. I use those as well. Well, this has been great. And we still need to talk about a few more things. So first, as we conclude the show, why don't you first tell us where listeners can find you and then where your practice currently is? Okay. So listeners, you're welcome to come by and say hi. You can find me on social media. Uh, I'm available at Instagram and at DR, like the abbreviation for Dr. Beverly Yates. So D-R-B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-Y-A-T-E-S. I'm also, my website is like you would expect here, same thing, D-R-B-E-V, 
E-R-L-Y-Y-A-T-E-S. I have a free PDF file if you're interested that you can opt in for to learn more about pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes. That's a different link. That's G-O, like the word go, dot naturalhealthcare.com slash PD, so like pre-diabetes, dash opt-in. And we'll post all of those links in the show notes. I just wanted to give you know you the opportunity to to share kind of where you're at. And you also have an upcoming Diabetes Transformation Summit. So tell us, I know you have some big names on there. Kind of tell us what listeners can expect. So tell us about your summit. All right. So the Diabetes Transformation Summit was put together with blood sugar control in mind. So it's inclusive with people of all ages. We talk about things that affect kids, teens, people in their 20s, 30s, during their reproductive years menopausal and anthropausal men and women as they're getting older and aging, and then things for the elderly. We also included people who have expertise around many aspects of the hormonal world, thyroid experts, adrenal experts, bioidentical hormone replacement, people who are doing things that are really cutting edge, like say sound healing. We talk about spiritual aspects of diabetes. We talk about the importance of community and health coaches. And we certainly have an amazing roster of speakers. It includes people like Dr. Andrew Perlmutter, JJ Virgin, uh, Rita Marie Lascalzo, Cynthia Thurlow, and her work on intermittent fasting. We have Naveen Jain, who is the founder of Viome, um, one of the gut microbiome companies, and a lot of other really excellent top-notch folks who have a big impact and whose work directly affects diabetes, blood sugar control, metabolism, longevity, living long and living well. Love it. I haven't heard of any summits like this yet. So um, I'm excited for you. And we'll post link in the show notes for listeners to use to register for that. And it is upcoming. I mean, it's going to launch uh, shortly after this episode launches. <laughs> yes, oh. July 25th to the 31st of this year, 2022. Oh, very, very quickly here. So last question that I ask all my guests is what their top longevity tip may be. And it's okay if you've already mentioned that throughout the episode, but what would be your top longevity tip? I think my top longevity tip is to make friends with people of different ages. That's great. My mother shared that with me uh, several years, actually, before she passed. And it's one of the most valuable things that she ever shared with me. It was a long list of things my mom gave. Such a generous, amazing, loving woman. But I have to say she was right. You know, as I hit my 40s, she said, make sure you consciously make friends with people different ages, people older than you people your age and absolutely reach for people younger than you. And I've taken her advice and I have to say my life is much richer for it. Mm. I've interviewed well over 100 people and no one has said that. Although Dr. Vincent Pedre did say, if you're living with individuals of different generations, that actually positively impacts your microbiome. Like we didn't even realize that, but it makes sense. So in a way you're echoing that and that's, yeah, creative, creative longevity tip. Love it. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, dear listeners, you know, please keep tuning in to everything that's here available. Stephanie does a great job of bringing together experts and asking really great questions. You're a wonderful interviewer and take action. Make a commitment. Every time you listen to a podcast, anything that Stephanie's offering you, make notes and pick the thing that you're going to focus on because this is how we make our lives better. And that mm -hmm. has a ripple effect out in the world. When I hear really bad news in the world, I always think, what if that person had been served well recently with their health. I'll bet mm -hmm. that wouldn't have happened. So let's help each other make this world a better place. Yeah, good reflection. Yeah. Wonderful. Great tips. Well, thank you so much today for coming on the show and sharing your mission to heal not just one, but three million of diabetes. I know you're on track for that. I know your summit's going to reach the masses. So congratulations on your summit and thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. 
That was great. She had so many amazing one-liners. I think my favorite was to let those leafy greens on your plate lead the way. I encourage you to take action, and if you struggle with sugar cravings, especially after dinner, take Dr. Yates' advice, brush and floss your teeth after dinner, and no snacking afterwards. And remember, her Diabetes Transformation Summit starts July 25th, so be sure to register as soon as possible, link of which I'll post in the show notes. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thank you so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.